She's All That. This is the She's All That video podcast. Conversations with women doing awesome shit. I'm your host, September Smith. And in this season, it's all about the transformation that women are making in the aftermath of the midlife bomb, as I call it. Those unforeseen events, illness, loss, a career termination, a battle, an awakening, a transformation. Events that are lobbed into our lives like a grenade, detonating the life that we've been living for decades and making it impossible to ever go back. When this happens, we are left to dust ourselves off, figure it out and find our own way forward. While the lens of popular culture is often on the tragedy and the trauma and the injury and damage that it inflicts, I want to celebrate women who were only made stronger by what they experienced. We need to hear those stories to know that building that new life, that new incarnation from the pieces of what was is not just possible, it may be the best thing you'll ever do. She's all that. My guest today is Cheryl Grace and she is, like all the women in season three, a woman of reinvention, a woman who has had one very powerful existence in her earlier career, an event that landed and caused her to pivot. And now she's created a whole even more powerful, more impactful incarnation, Cheryl 2.0. Now, Cheryl is somebody that you should Google. In fact, it's well worth your while. You might even want to pause this briefly, go Google her, and then come back because you'll understand a whole lot more about this conversation. There are things that we can't talk about. So go check it out and come back. Now, having said that, Cheryl, welcome. And thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you for having me, September. It's great to be here. So Cheryl, you've had a 25 plus year corporate career, like big time, global, global brand strategist, managing high stakes projects, strategic counsel to Fortune 500 clients, C-suite executives, culminating in you as a senior vice president of consumer engagement for a large, very well worldwide known corporation. So the engagement ended with you experiencing ageism, discrimination during the last stages of your corporate career, pushed you to make a change. And you knew you needed to create an exit strategy. What was your exit strategy? Why is an exit strategy necessary? And what was yours? Well, I started thinking about my exit strategy September back in 2017 when I started my side hustle, Powerful Penny LLC. And I became incorporated at that time and worked at the role while I was traveling full time for my corporate job. And I knew that at some point it was what I really wanted to concentrate on. I wasn't expecting it to happen as quickly as it did, but I think that COVID really pushed things forward. I was on planes every week, sometimes three or four times a week before COVID. And my last trip was February of 2020. And when we found out that all travel had been halted, I took to my vacation home where we have a rocking chair on the front porch. And I spent a considerable amount of time sitting in that chair, rocking with a cup of hot tea and lemon and looking at the trees and listening to the birds and watching the chipmunks who I named Alvin and Simon 
And it occurred to me, I hadn't had time to just sit in a rocking chair and contemplate my life for about 25 years. And I started paying attention to things that were happening in the company. I wasn't being invited to meetings that I used to run. I was, yeah, I wasn't being invited to meetings. Um, I was asked, being asked if I wanted to get packaged out uh, because the company was going through changes. I was told that I made a lot of money. And oh, oh, that so, so you'd be a good place to, to I could economize. be replaced by three, three people, three or more. Mm-hmm. And I started taking these as signs. And I didn't like the direction that some of the conversations were going in. Can, and one, can, can I ask you one question? Absolutely. Was this something that every one of the senior vice presidents, male and female, was being asked? No, but I do think that there were questions being asked of people who were making a lot of money. Okay. In my opinion, not simply about my case, but in my opinion, the more money you start to earn, particularly as a woman, the higher up the ladder you climb after you've worked so hard to get there, mm-hmm. then you become a, um, a line item on a budget sheet, a budget spreadsheet that people are looking at, how else might we be able to use these dollars? So are they looking at the CEO and the CFO and the CMO with the same eyes? Probably not. Probably not. And then when you're being asked questions, well, what do you and your team do? Mm -hmm. Interesting. And again, there are signs. And I didn't like the direction that the questioning was going in. I didn't like the direction that I I felt the move toward the company was happening. And I, I, I took action. I wrote a letter and the letter was received with uh, a call from HR. And one thing led to another and I'm no longer with the company but everything worked out incredibly well for me. Uh, All matters were resolved amicably. And I can't tell you how happy I am that things worked out the way they did. Because I was getting comfortable. They don't always work out that well for women in your situation. They don't, they don't. But I was and have always been the type of person that if I feel something isn't quite right, I'm going to call you on it. I don't care if you're a boyfriend, a husband, a global brand. (laughs) If I don't like the way you're handling the situation that involves me or impacts me or could impact people who look like me, Mm -hmm. I'm always going to take a stand. Mm -hmm. But you did more than just take a stand. Even back as, as early as 2017, you were kind of crafting an exit strategy. I guess I got more intense in 2020, but. It did. And because I wanted, when you reach a certain point in your career, you want to make sure that when you go off into career 2.0 or, you know, life, simply life 2.0, that you're stepping across, not down. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure I was stepping across into my next life. And that was always in the back of my head was getting powerful penny, my business up so that it was parallel 
or even with what I was bringing in as an institutionalized person. So institutionalized, getting regular paychecks, Mm -hmm. being paid even when you're sick, being paid when you're off on vacation, having vacation days, having sick days, having health care, all of that I lovingly called being institutionalized. And I actually loved being institutionalized. So I wasn't really sure how the entrepreneurial thing was going to work for me because I had been living in that bubble for 25 plus years. But so many people have, and I mean, it's so well documented, we have employee or institutionalized mentalities, employee mentalities, which is one whole different way of approaching what it is we do on a day-to-day basis, Monday to Friday. And then there's the entrepreneurial mindset. And if you're very comfortable and loving what you're doing over there, there's an urge to stay there, to, to somehow hold on to that for your entire career. You're in, you're in a comfort zone. You're yeah. in a comfort cocoon. Mm-hmm. When you're in a comfort cocoon, I think that's when you're doing the most dangerous I think that's when you're having the most dangerous moment for yourself because you're not pushing yourself. But people don't know that. People don't know that. They're doing what everybody thinks you should be doing. Get a job and stay there till you're 65 and retire. Exactly. And retire. But I don't think that you necessarily grow. Now, (laughs) earlier in my career, I really made a point of having a procedure, a process in place where every four years I would move up or out. I would either get promoted or I'd take my ball and bat and I'd go play on somebody else's playing field. I'd go to another institution, if you will. And uh, at a certain point, again, after the dollars started rolling in and they were delicious dollars, I got comfortable with just working and doing my best, but not not humping, if you will, like I did when I was younger, like Mm. really just going full flat out throttle. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I was cruising. I was still really good at what I was doing. I was good enough that I could do it with my eyes closed. I was still good enough that I was doing better on my worst day than most people were on their best day. Mm -hmm. And I was comfortable with that, but I wasn't excited about my life anymore. And so when COVID hit and I found myself sitting on that rocking chair, like, what does excitement look like? What does it feel like? When you strip away the adrenaline of being on an airplane and traveling and rushing to meetings and present, doing presentations, and when you strip that away and you just have yourself. So, hey, self, what's this look like? What are we going to do next? We want to be excited again. Well, we've got a few years left, but that turned out not to be the case. It is actually... uh it goes fairly undocumented, but it is much more widespread that women do not necessarily make it to the end of that retirable career in those high dollar positions. So when you when you had that inkling that to start Powerful Penny and and then it became a bit more urgent, your, so your exit strategy was all around that. Did you, well, tell us a bit about what you do in Power, Powerful Penny so we get an idea of what you've gone to. So Powerful Penny is an executive coaching and lifestyle brand that helps women get to their next level of fabulosity. I call fabulosity. And fabulosity to me is when who you are at work, in love, and at home 
are all in alignment, when they're all synced up and you can bring your whole self to your life without feeling like you have to compartmentalize. And, and we do feel that in the corporate world. We absolutely, we we absolutely. when people meet you at a cocktail party, if it's a professional event, they ask you, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right. And they want to hear about your personal, your professional life, not your personal life. Likewise, if you're a parent um, and you're out at an event with your your kids, they want to know about you as a mom. Mm-hmm. But stay-at-home moms have zero interest in knowing about you and the professional self. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like, well, wait a minute. I'm all three people. I'm a professional, external professional from the home. I am a loving parent. I am also a sexual being and I'm interested in being in love again after being divorced for 16 years. So why shouldn't I celebrate all three of those aspects of myself and not feel Mm -hmm. like I can't talk about one without talking about the other two? Yeah. Which I mean, and I, and I, I had asked you before the call, like, what is the link between career and love? Uh, Just, we were talking about, well, expand on that a little bit, like a deeper integration of all facets of yourself. Yeah. Because when, you know, I've I've been in situations and I'm sure most people have, you can tell when someone's had like a really great night of sex because they come in, they're glowing, they're happy. If they're usually really uptight, like I know for a fact, I had a boss who was so uptight. She was an uptight individual. (laughs) And I could tell one day I'm like, she got some (laughs) and she was so pleasant and happy and fun to be around that day. And it, it mirrored what my belief had always been. I am happier when I'm in love. And even though I love my life, I love myself. I wanted to be in a relationship after having not been in one for so long. And it taught me the importance of being one whole dimensional person at work, in love and at home. Mm -hmm. When there's chaos at home, I know when I went through my divorce and the house was cluttered and because I wasn't concentrating on home, Mm -hmm. you know, when one spoke of the wheel gets out of sync, ultimately it's going to impact the other two spokes. Mm -hmm. That's why I concentrate on helping women recognize their next level of fabulosity at work, in love, and at home, so that you're always on an even plane with all three of those areas. One thing that really interested me when I was looking through, you know, researching you and going through information about you and Powerful Penny and everything, um, was that there was this integration of these three elements and you were working with women to reach that uh, higher fabulosity of themselves. But still, and not inconsequentially, you still had that, I want women to embrace the process of creating an exit strategy. So it's not like we've just gone over here and ignored you know, the perils that some of us come up against in the corporate world. You, you're doing that three element integration, but you're also staying eye on the ball on the whole exit strategy thing. If so few women actually know that they need to have one, how is this going to happen? Yeah. People think that if I do good work, I'll be rewarded indefinitely. Mm -hmm. And then a curveball gets thrown your way and it's suddenly, well, yeah, you've been doing great work, but I don't know if we need that work done anymore. Um, Or we can pay three people 
the same amount that we're paying you and, and, and get the same amount of quality work. And when it starts to happen to you, when you start to feel that happening, what are you going to do? How quickly can you execute it? Because if you don't have a plan in mind, if you don't have money socked away, and people hear all the time about the importance of having an emergency fund, but most Americans do not have an emergency fund. And so you find yourself suddenly out of a job with no strategy. I just believe it's important for people to start working on that strategy early on. So when you start hearing uh, things like you make a lot of money, uh, what do you and your team do? When you start being disinvited to meetings, oh, it's, it's okay, we're good, we've got this meeting. You need to have a plan in place. And that means, you know, you've identified what career 2.0 or life 2.0 looks like for you. And you've already started squirreling away the money. You've already started having the networking opportunities and developing those strategies with individuals who can help you. And you've already started asking for help. Who can help you? And women don't like to ask for help. And I would, I would inject at that point, um, one of the places you don't want to ask for help, and sometimes you don't figure that out until later, is HR. <laughs> oh, HR is not your friend, people. That's HR the, is yeah. not your friend. As HR, much as they might say, if you have a problem, come to us. If that problem impacts the company in any way, shape, or form, you are the element that needs to be eradicated. Yes, you you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Uh, that's what you'll get from HR. HR is not your friend. However, I do recommend that when you are looking for your next steps, your advancement, uh, that you do make sure that you share that with your manager and that you're sharing it with HR as well so that there are no surprises. And you will be able to tell from the responses that you're getting whether or not those ideas that you're presenting, whether they are going to grow wings within that company. Mm-hmm. But you have to pay attention to the signs. You have to so not nice. just listen to what's being said, What's being done? Mm. What's being done? Now, you had mentioned earlier, you said there, there are signs because I, I had asked you in a previous conversation, like I was blindsided by this. I didn't see it. And it turns out hundreds of thousands of women every year have the same experience. So um, what are these signs? And why did you know about it? Why did you figure them out for what they were? And w- what should people be looking for? What are these signs? So you have established a pattern in your career. You've established a pattern in your role and you've established a pattern within your team and the company. When you start to see tiny disruptors in that pattern, take it as a sign. So again, if you're being disinvited from meetings that you used to lead, Mm -hmm. if you are having um, people ask you questions, questioning what you're doing, how you're spending your time, if your budget is getting cut, if your team is getting cut, those are all signs. And you can sit back and passively wait for the signs to turn on, to turn into a full-fledged occurrence. Or you can ask like, hey, I'm noticing these signs. Should should it mean anything? Now, I I just found the other day an email that I sent to HR saying, hey, I noticed that I wasn't included in XYZ. 
should I take this as a sign that there's anything going on that I need to worry about? Mm-hmm. And HR is like, oh, no, 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 no. Turns huh. out, yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes, yes. yes so when yes. they're shaking their head, no, you should be shaking your head. If you yes. even have to ask the question, if it's crossing your mind, then it's maybe time to start thinking about it's, exit it's start, strategy. Huh, yes, what that strategy now, looks like. And now, maybe, maybe the strategy is going to another company. Maybe the strategy is uh, working for nonprofits if you were in corporate or going to corporate if you were a nonprofit. So maybe it is going to work for another entity, company, um, or organization. Maybe it is, you know what? I'm just done. I want to go and spend time with my grandchildren and you just exit stage left and live happily ever after. Or maybe it is turning your side hustle or your dream to own a business into a reality. Uh, perhaps this is kind of a, a sidebar here, but I, I hear so much more from uh, from Americans than anyone else I talk to about the side hustle. Why why is this so prevalent in the United States? I don't know why it's more prevalent in the United States than it is in any other country, but I can tell you the fact that we are going through right now the Great Resignation. Mm-hmm. indicates that people are simply unhappy with how they're spending their time yeah. during their working hours. Yeah. And so they start, most most businesses start when someone is dissatisfied with either the lack of having access to a product or a service mm-hmm. that they need, or they're not happy with their existing work life. And they have a passion for something. Thus, a side hustle. Okay. Most people are too afraid to take the leap from their institutionalized work that they're doing to their side hustle. And so they can do a side hustle indefinitely or until they were like me, where they were ready to make a parallel step from one role to the other. So, but okay, go ahead. No, so I was just going to say, but side hustles seem to fuel the soul. They seem to, uh, the passion that you used to have for your work, if you used to have for a passion for your work and you find that that's missing, that's when people usually go looking for a side hustle. People don't start side hustles Mm -hmm. when they're perfectly content and happy with their job and all their needs are being met on every single level. Right, right. Okay. So if somebody, whether they had that side hustle or not, they get to the point where the signs are starting to, you know, appear in the rear view mirror especially if you've never been an entrepreneur or you've never had to maybe navigate your way through a transition in your career. It occurs to me, this is a good time. Don't try to figure this out by yourself. Uh, What would your advice be to somebody who is looking at that? The signs are becoming pretty clear. What should they be doing? So they can reach out to me as an executive coach and I can coach you through the process because I've lived, breathed it uh, and have firsthand experience on doing it. It depends on what that exit strategy looks like as well. So if you you help them create it. Oh, absolutely. Can help them identify what their goal is. So what does next step look like for you? And a lot of people get hung up on that. I don't Mm -hmm. know, Cheryl. I, I don't know. I just know I want more. Let's define more. Let's clarify more. Let's be very strategic about how we're going to get more. But until you can envision it, 
you can't plan for it. And especially if you're in a situation of panic and and feeling very anxious about your situation, that's not the perfect time to be trying to figure that out. There's nothing worse. Yeah, Mm -hmm. September, there's nothing worse than operating from a a place of fear, Mm -hmm. Um, operating from a point of weakness. And so the very first thing I recommend people do is find a point of strength from which they can pull from, because they're going to need to draw from that. And what is that? Where do you get that? Is it your faith? Is it your um, evidence that you have succeeded by overcoming challenges in the past? Like where, where's that strength, that core strength coming from? Mm-hmm. Cause I'm going to need you to tap into that core strength right now. That's awesome. I mean, I never even would have thought of that. So that's kind of a preliminary thing you do is like, let's identify that before we right. go anywhere. Because Powerful. everything begins with your mindset. And you want to be operating from a positive mindset, high energy mindset, not from, again, a low vibe, low energy. Uh, You want to go into it. You should never start anything when your energy level is low, especially. But that's often what the situation will be. I mean, you're devastated. You're taken by surprise or you know, you're in that state. That's that's a pretty low energetic vibration you're coming it from. It is. If you look at it that way, you choose to look at it that way. Or you, so you can choose to look at it, it. You have to reframe it. You could choose to look at it. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I get another chance to start from scratch um, at doing something I love. What do I love? Ooh, let's talk about things that I love. Let's focus on what I love first before I focus on, oh my God, I'm going to be a homeless bag lady, you know, living under some uh, bridge or elevated area. And my family and I are all going to be out on the streets. Let's not start there. Yeah. No. <laughs> let's Even if you think you're it. there, let's, let's get you to a different place. Yeah. Let's reframe it mm-hmm. and let's look at the possibilities and not the obstacles. And then through possibilities, we will figure out how to overcome those obstacles. And that is through a plan. It starts with a belief and then having a plan and then putting action into place. And action is the antidote to despair. Action is the antidote antidote to despair. Whenever I'm feeling frenzied, I take action. I stop and I take some action that brings back even some semblance of calmness because I can control my thoughts. I can control what my next steps are. If I want to stay here in my bed and waddle for the next 24 hours, I'm going to give myself permission to do that. But after that alarm goes off for that 24th hour, doggone it, I'm up out of the bed and I'm going to get into the next action, which is going to be positive. It's okay to be scared and it's okay to be uh, um, afraid, but don't stay there. Don't stay stuck there. And a lot of us get stuck there. And when you get overwhelmed, you stop taking action. You do nothing. And you just hope things just work themselves out. And that's not living with intentionality. No, no. So when a person, mind you, we we are looking at just one of the the three elements that you bring in, but obviously some people, when they come to you, have a more pressing need on that one side to tap into your skills and your experience with that. Um, when someone's in that situation, where do they, I mean, they should all find you, but where do they tend to find you? Where, 
where do you reach those people? You can um, find me on my website at IamCherylGrace.com. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a work with me uh, tab at the top, work with me, whether you're just starting out in your career and you're fresh and you're bright and you're dewy eyed about the possibilities of your work world, or whether you're trying to figure out career 2.0, um, we'll set up a discovery session a fab- discover your fabulosity session is complimentary mm-hmm. and we'll spend 20 minutes. There's a pre-assessment form that you fill out, which asks you some of the pressing questions. Like what is it that really truly is causing you to have this call today so that we can zero in on what you think you want to work on. And I usually have people do that assessment. Come on. We spend 20 minutes. I usually give you insights that are going to help make you feel better, um, but they're not long-term strategies. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to work with me to help you get to your next level best, then then that's when we start the one-on-one coaching or we do group coaching sessions as well. So for for those people, hopefully they find you not just on your website, hopefully things like say podcast, like this podcast episode, like this fabulous when, podcast, when they, she's all that. Yeah. And when they hear, hear what you're saying, they realize like, okay, this is what I need because far too many women bounce ended up being bounced and they need someone like you, but they don't know that you exist. So it's not just that women who, as you say, are just feeling like, ah, oh, my life is not exciting anymore. I want more. I want more. What is the fuller program that you offer for for people who want to integrate those three elements that we'd spoken of? So we have online courses for love for individuals who are looking and wanting to keep love. So finding and keeping the love. We have uh, workshops that we do. Vision boarding. We've got a vision boarding workshop coming up the day after Christmas. December 26th, and then again on January, Sunday, January 16th, I think it's today. Um, Vision boarding is such a great tool for helping you see, like that is your crystal ball, images that connect with you, that you're drawn to. Sometimes you're very crystal clear on why you see these images jumping out of you, the pages of magazines or junk mail that you get in your home. Um, And what we do with vision boarding that's different than what anyone else does is I do 13 vision boards a year. So I do one, mm -hmm, I do one annual board of what I want my year to look like. And then each month I do a mini vision board that points to exactly what I'm going to accomplish in that month toward my larger vision. Is this all pictorial, all done from images? It's done for images. It's done from printing out words that I find, you know, I cut things out. I cut out words, however it works for you. But I believe in, because they have the types of vision boards that you can do electronically. I need to feel and touch and I need that process. But I take it a step further when I have identified my vision for the year, I establish what I call my pink elephants. I saw that in the notes. Tell me what pink elephants? I thought that was like when you have a hangover. (laughs) A pink elephant is your biggest, most audacious goal that you want to achieve. It usually is something that you have to lean into your faith in order to bring to fruition. 
And it's usually a goal that's big enough. You can't do it on your own. You got to ask for help. That's a pink elephant. And I eat them all the time. And I believe that you can eat pink elephants too. I try not to eat more than three pink elephants a year because if they're big, they're taking up your time and your attention. Mm -hmm. And so we take that vision board and from that vision board, we write out what our three annual pink elephant goals are, what our goals are for the year. And then each month we're breaking, breaking down what we're doing that month toward those pink elephant goals. Each month we do that. And then each week we're writing out what it looks like. And every day I'm checking off because the way pink elephants get eaten is one small bite at a time. Mm -hmm. You don't overwhelm yourself by trying to gobble the whole thing up at one sitting. That's not going to happen. And likewise, your big audacious goals aren't going to happen in a day. You're just going to do it. Okay. I have a question around that. So the, 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 the big audacious vision, the, the goals with, again, for whatever reason, the Martin Luther King quote comes to mind about, you know, you don't have to see the entire process, the entire yes. staircase. You just take the first step. Yeah. Do think goals have to be so clearly envisioned or do we have to see the entire? Your, your vision doesn't have to be, but your goal needs to be very clear. Gotcha. I operate from smart goals. So it's specific, it's measurable, it's actionable, it's relatable or, or realistic. And it's time based because when you just kind of meander, that's a dream. Yes. When you put a date behind it, that's a goal. Cheryl, I can hear your corporate, the strength of your corporate identity coming through on this, your strategy. Yes. The strategy is important. You know, again, it goes back to believing and then it goes back to planning and it goes back to action. So, but there have to be milestones that you're setting. So if I say I wanted to lose 30 pounds, which I did, and I've lost 20 of them so far this year, if I say I want to do that, I have to have a plan on what that looks like. And it's better if I write that plan out than if I just keep it up in my head and think I'm going to do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. I like that. When you write it out and you have something where you can check it off, I said I was going to do this and I did. Let's celebrate that. Even if it's just doing a dance around the room, right? Let's celebrate the fact that, hey, 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 I had my slim fast today, right? So (laughs) one meal got, right? (laughs) Okay. Hey, hey. hey. Video version Um, of this is an advertisement for slim fast. (laughs) (laughs) So celebrate the wins regardless of how small. Celebrate the wins and keep gobbling up one small bite at a time, because if you do just one small thing every day, that's 30 things you've accomplished at the end of the month. Yes. Yes. They they accumulate. Mm -hmm. That's good perspective. Yeah. Most people just think I got to do this and I got to do that. And it's too much. Mm -hmm, So I don't mm -hmm. do anything. Yeah. Yes. And then they stop. Mm -hmm. And then it's December 31st and they're like, I didn't get done what I wanted to, to do. Right. 90, 92% of people do not accomplish their new year's Eve resolutions. So let's 92%. Let's be part of the 8%. So we can start doing that with your two, with your vision boardings, um, which the, the dates and the the links will be in the notes and what other programs are coming up that people can get involved with. So in addition to the programs, I have boot camps that are scheduled throughout the year. If you go to Cheryl's shop of fabulosity, 
Okay. Cheryl's shop of fabulosity.com and you click on boot camps or workshops. I've got the 2022 schedule there for the um, workshops and boot camps and when they're occurring. Okay. And then I also offer, like, I don't just leave you in a lurch. So I also offer um, resources, right? So this is fab in 90 days. It's a workbook. Um, it's a, it's a journal workbook, right? Okay. Create the fabulous life you desire and deserve. And it literally takes you from day 90 to day one, mm-hmm. where you're writing down what it is you're wanting to do each day, what your mindset is when you wake up, how many hours of sleep you received that night, because there is a direct correlation between sleep and productivity or lack thereof. Mm-hmm what your affirmation is that you um, are using that day to maintain your high vibration. And then what small bites are you taking toward any goals that day? So even though you've got it on your vision board and you know, you've got it scheduled one more time, write it in the journal daily. Write it in the journal. And I have my um, vision board that product that I have is actually portable as well. Because remember September, I was on a plane more time than I was at home. And so a vision board up on a wall did nothing for me because I was never there to see it. And I created a vision board journal and planner and calendar that I carry with me. And so you can carry it with you, even if you're traveling, you can carry it with you so that you're marking and, and ensuring that you're making progress every day and you're keeping track of it. Oh, I love that. I love that. So Cheryl, Cheryl Grace, you've gone from one very powerful corporate career in which, and I didn't get into it, but one of the things that was, I was really excited with and thought, I'd love to mention that is the important work you were doing through your annual, annual reports, highlighting black America spending power, Ah, that's a whole other conversation in itself, why that is so significant and why that is yes. important work that needs to continue. The midlife event that Google her, go, go see what that's about. And then you are now doing this very powerful thing through your powerful penny business, working with people to integrate in whatever need they, way they need it, those three elements of their life. Wow. Do you have any last words that you would want someone to go away from this conversation kind of remembering? I do. When women particularly come to me, because I do coach both women and men, but when women in particular come to me, often they are lacking in confidence. And we spend a lot of time first building up their confidence, no matter how accomplished they already are no matter how many degrees or certifications they have, they still feel that there's a lack of confidence. And so what I would say is everything has to start with your mindset. Fabulosity is a choice and you get to choose it every single day with everything you do. It's all about your choices and it's easier to make good choices when you're happy than when you're operating, like I said, from a place of negativity. So if there's anything I want to leave behind, it is change your mind, change your life. It's never too late. Change your mind, change your life. Things that happen 
They happen. We decide whether or not it was a good thing or a bad thing that happened. Begin with your mindset. Thank you. Thank you very much. Incredible. And thank you so much for being with me today and talking about all these interesting topics. Thank you for having me, September. And you know, the other thing that people need to also do when you're looking at an exit strategy is make sure you find good lawyers. Oh, yeah, because not all lawyers are prepared to help you with that. Right. And that's a whole other conversation (laughs) that I hopefully will have. Thank you so much. Thank you. This amazing conversation is one woman's efforts to use podcast guest appearances to get her very important message out to the world. Whether it's to build her business, her audience, her credibility, or even rebuild her life. These women know that co-creating amazing interview recordings on other people's podcasts that will be promoted and broadcast from all of the major podcast platforms for years to come is a smart way to be building their brand and getting their message out. Whether it's to grow your speaking career, to get more widely known, or to better position yourself as the authority you really are, strategic podcast guesting is a savvy move. We can help you figure out your best strategy and get you rapidly and effectively launched, leveraging this powerful medium. Contact us at september at ofcoursepro.com or book a complimentary consultation call. The links are in the notes of this podcast. Join the ranks of people making podcast guesting really work for them. Let's get you started. She's up.